We have waited an extra year, but finally it is here. Euro 2020, even though we're in 2021. We are going to dwell and dive straight into the Spotboiler International Football Tournament. I'm Aridman Gulati, Richiro, Football Fanatics, alongside the former captain of the Indian football team, Renadi Singh. Renadi, a man who has played for India for more than a decade, represented the country in international continental tournaments like the AFC Asian Cup in 2011 and even the Nehru Cup competitions in 2007 and 2009, which India won, by the way, and we were fortunate enough to be in the stands at the Ambedkar Stadium in Delhi all those years back. Renadi, anything you recall about the Euros over the years, specifically from the days you were growing up and playing football? Uh, brother, see, I think if I, if I remember it right, 1988, I think, was the first time I have seen uh, a European football, the European final, uh, if you talk about when, uh, when Holland, Netherlands played uh, Russia, the Soviet Union. And for me, those two goals I will always remember because the goal uh, Marco Van Basten have scored in the volley, that, was, that is uh, one of the best goals I've ever seen. Of course, we have seen Cristiano uh, Ronaldo scoring in a, in a lovely volley. We have seen many other players. We have seen Rooney, uh, who scored in, in a very good goal in a volley. But that volley, it's so technical. And, you know, I will always remember that. And before that goal, I think Ruth Gullit, uh, it was an assist from Marco Van Basten again. So I will remember that the way Holland played. And if you talk about Rinas Michel or Rinas Mikel or Rinas Michel, one of the best, you know, we talk about Pep Guardiola. But before that, Rinas Michel was the one uh, that, you know, who have started all this beautiful game we talk about. And... And, and the game, I, will, I, I remember, you know, that the final, that was one of the best games in, in those days. And I was, what, eight years old or nine years old before going to Tata Football Academy. I will always remember that game. Chiro, I know you're a Brazil supporter, but we'll talk about the Copa America some other time. What are your recollections of the Euros? Earliest memories, uh, honestly, back in, uh, I think, 96. Now, I was always more a World Cup guy. Um, Growing up in, a, in, in my family, there were two things that you had to sort of, you know, follow as football. If you followed East Bengal, you were good. If you followed uh, Brazil, you were great. So East Bengal and Brazil was drilled into me from a very early, very, very early age with, by my father. Uh, he didn't take very kindly when I grew up sort of supporting England as well. He, 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 according to him, that's just the worst kind of football that the England used to play in the 80s and 90s. And he just didn't find any, any sort of resonance with it. But my... Uh, Earliest memory, honestly, is nine, Euro 96. That's the one that I watched with most interest, I would say. Um, and the standout for me from that tournament was probably the Czech Republic team, you know. I remember Euro 96 quite clearly as well, uh, Chiro, because uh, Zola went on to miss his penalty against Germany in the group stages. Yeah. Just in case nobody's aware, uh, I'm an Italian football supporter and follower. So it was, uh, it was quite sad when Italy never progressed in the group stages. Of course, Oliver Burov scored the, the golden goal in uh, the Euro 96 final. But Euro 2000 final was a heartbreak at Rotterdam because uh, David Trezeguet scoring that golden goal. And that image of him scoring the goal in, in, in extra time, uh, him and Brill of course, before that, that haunted me for many years to come. Um, it, was, it was just tragedy. And talking about Italy, um, on a lighter note, it got me into a bit of a trouble, really, uh, with, with the former England goalkeeper, David James. <laughs> last year was Euro, Euro 2016. And I was working with uh, Sony, at that point of time, Sony 6, uh, producing a show for them. And uh, Italy was taking on Germany in the uh, quarterfinal, an atrocious match. 
Italy couldn't string two, three passes together in that game. We lost out on penalties. And I'm quite dejected after the game. It's about 3 4 uh, at night or 3 4 a.m. And uh, we're leaving the studio and I get into the elevator with David James. And I haven't interacted with him much till that point of time. And uh, David James looks at me. And because I'm wearing the Italy jersey for that night, he looks at me and says, What a horrible game. Take off your jersey now. Even you could have done a lot better. I look back at him. He's about 6'6 in any case. I look up at him and say, Well, yeah, at least we're not like England who lost to Iceland. <laughs> you know, trying to, trying to get one up on him because England lost to Iceland previously and that was quite humiliating. <laughs> and he's looking down at me and, and I could just feel a, a sense of tension and this complete silence. And I was like, okay, maybe I just touched a nerve. Maybe he might just punch me right now. So I turn away and I look at the elevator and it's complete silence. I'm looking at the elevator door as we're going down. I'm looking up and seeing, okay, what floor have we reached? Five, four, three. I'm like, hurry up, open the door. Let me take a step aside because this guy might just punch me and knock my teeth out. Uh, but no, nothing like that uh, happened, unfortunately. Yes. You are lucky, brother. Anything can happen with David James. He was my coach for, for six months in Kerala Blasters. I can totally understand. The whole world knows, you know. He, he's a great player, but very unpredictable, you know. So, with David James, anything can happen. But you are lucky. You are lucky that you didn't get a punch. So, for all those who are not aware, 24 teams are in the Euros. Six groups of four teams each, with the top two qualifying to the round of 16, along with four of the best third-place teams in the group. I hope that makes sense. Pretty much like five years ago. And oh, there are also 11 countries or 11 host cities um, as far as this Euros is concerned with the semi-finals and final at Wembley in uh, London. So let's get into the groups and dissect it all. We start with the group A, Italy, Turkey, Switzerland and Wales. Italy are the hosts as far as the group games are concerned. They play all the matches in Rome. Remember, they didn't qualify for the World Cup in Russia in 2018. But it seems they've come a long way from there under Roberto Mancini. They won all their matches in qualifying, 10 out of 10. They've also made it to the Nations League final tournament. And they've also won their three games in the World Cup qualifiers. It's too good to be true. <laughs> uh, Turkey, who for once don't have the Emperor Fatih Karim as their coach, are an impressive side. I would say they're the dark horse and they have the 2002 World Cup manager, Shinol Gunas, uh, in charge. Switzerland are led by Granit Xhaka, and they're more than uh, just the Magic Dwarf and the Alpine Messi, which is, of course, uh, the Shaq attack, which is uh, Shakiri. And then you have Wales, who basically, for a layman, are Bale and Ramsey. So, Rarity Singh, how do you see this group panning out, and which teams do you think will progress? Uh, Italy, for sure. Like I said, the way they have been performing, it's, it's been great. I saw the last match where I think they played against Czech Republic, where they scored 4-0. And you can see the, the guys, the unit, one good unit. You know, it's not like England. I think England, I feel, it, I've, I have been following England for a very long time. But I think we watch more of English Premier League. Even though, we, you know, we know that uh, the Italian uh, league is also very, very tough. But, uh, but oh, oh, whatever we may say about England, I think it's hyped up. But in Italy, I've not been following much. But I, my ex-goalkeeper uh, coach, Massimo Batara is, uh, is, is co he was in Pune with David Platt. Now he's with Mancini. So, so I, I've been in touch with him also. And I've seen a few games and they are playing a very good football. So, from that, Group A, Italy for sure. Yeah, I'm grudgingly going to say Italy for sure. Uh, you're, even though my favourite footballer in the whole wide world currently is playing for Italy. And I say this sarcastically because I'm not a big Jorginho fan, although I'm a massive Chelsea fan. Jorginho frustrates the daylights out of me. So, can, can, I, can I come here again? Yeah, even I, even I support Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. but uh, 
I, I even I don't support the player you just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> but if, of course, he's our game maker. He, he he's the guy. He's the guy who has been doing really well. You know, when Tuchel came in. Mm. But but I I think he can play better. You know, of course yeah. he's a, he, he started the game. You know, he's our driver. But I still feel when we don't have the ball, if we can do a little more. Yeah, yeah. Please carry on, Yachir. I also feel that he does. There's too much yeah. sideways passing. There's not yeah. a forward forward looking forward thinking. And that that when you're sort of in that double pivot, you need to have somebody who thinks. Forward as well. I don't think they'll have that problem with Italy. Just to carry on on Jorginho, hmm. I think his role becomes even more important if if Marco Verratti hmm. is not fit and he's not playing in the uh, first couple of games. Although Mancini has said perhaps he should be fit, but the question is whether he'll be risked straight away or not. Because Verratti is a man who's absolutely vital for the Italians to have a good Euros. He's he has a perfect mastery over the short and long term passing. His good dribbling skills. He's dynamic. He can play ahead in midfield or even. Um, at the back, uh, like what Andre Pirlo used to, but in his absence, Jorginho becomes all the more important because in this case, then Jorginho will make the team tick. He will dictate the tempo. He'll probably be marshaled by the likes of uh, Locatelli, Immobile, and uh, Belotti. Questions will they finally fire? Those two were in charge for Italy in those ill-fated games against Sweden in the World Cup qualifier back in 2017, when Italy couldn't score against Sweden in both the matches. And Immobile has been criticised by some, even though he hasn't, uh, or even though he has delivered rather. For uh, for Lazio, question is, can he transfer that form from the Lazio blue to the Italy blue, the Azzurri? Uh, my question is, I've, every time I've watched Immobile play, I've always been impressed. I think he's got strength, he's got speed. I don't know how it sort of doesn't uh, translate. And I'll just uh, amend my four par. The mm-hmm. other guy that I do like, and I've I've watched enough of him this uh, this season for Juventus, is Federico Chiesa. I do like him quite a bit. I think he's a sharp, sharp player. And uh, does he find? His way in the in the starting eleven, or well, so here's the deal. Uh, I would have thought that he would be a, a, a starter for uh, Italy, but what we've seen in the warm-ups is that Berardi has played uh, on on the left. Now Chiesa for me is the man yeah. who uh, really is 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 can somebody who can can light up the competition. He's, he's going to be cutting in from the right wing. He can also play on the left. He can play with uh, both feet. He's had a good season with Juventus, hmm. and alongside him is another player in the midfield who. He's a superstar in the making. He's just won the uh, Serie A with Inter Milan, and that's Nicolo Berrera. Berrera yeah. is the—he's the engine of this side. Yeah. So he's the one who's going to be making all those uh, runs. And uh, alongside those new players, you also have another Gigi at the back. That's uh, Gigi Donnarumma, not Buffon anymore. <laughs> Unfortunately, Donnarumma is uh, not going to be uh, playing for AC Milan next season. So the question is whether—and uh, he doesn't have a club. So will that play on his mind as the Euros begin? In uh, a couple of days, I also have a little bit of a concern with the defense. Now, Kelleni and Bellucci are the masters of defending, no two ways about it. But they aren't spring chickens anymore. They were into their mid 30s. In fact, this surely is Kelleni's last Euros. And if Italy are, are ahead, that's fine. But if Italy are chasing again, and they'll be pushing numbers ahead, that's where Kelleni might be just uh, found out here. And, and I think as the game goes on or as the Euros go on, I do expect Bastoni, the young Inter Milan defender, to get a stay in the tournament. The best thing about about Italy is it's not only they will play counter-attacking; it all depends on the opponent uh, how how they will play. So I, they they are they are a side that which they can play sometimes in the counter-attacking game or in a high-pressing game. They have done that. I think it was with Spain last time. Last mm-hmm. time it was with Spain. Everyone thought Italy will play counter-attacking game, but then they went straight ahead, pressing high, winning the ball and scoring. So that was one of the best game I have seen. But when the team is not losing for last two years, you you can just imagine how how as, as a group how how good they can be. But 
I think they'll be playing a 4-3-3. And uh, over the last couple of years, under Roberto Mancini, they've been playing more of a possession-based uh, style. But Turkey is a dark horse uh, as far as this Euros is concerned. They brought back Shinal Gunesh, who was the man who took them to the 2002 uh, World Cup, where they finished third in that particular World Cup. Uh, they uh, had the better of France in the uh, qualifiers as well, defeated them and drew with them. They're currently topping their World Cup groups. They have the likes of uh, Burak Yilmaz, who's had a fantastic season with Lille. There's also Yazici. There's Ozan Tufan, Chalanolu. I've been watching him closely with the AC Milan. He'll be ready to go, particularly because now he might be a free agent as well because he hasn't renewed his contract with Milan. He wanted a higher pay. So he'll be willing to showcase all his skills. He's got a fantastic free kick uh, as well. Uh, at the back, they've got Demiral and uh, Soyuncu. Uh, that's as far as the defenders are concerned. So I think Turkey is a very dangerous side, and they might even pull up a surprise and get something out of that match against Italy. Cengiz Under is a player who I think is underachieved uh, at Leicester. I think he's a top player. Uh, he can definitely uh, spring a surprise. I'm not sure about their defence, uh, Aritman. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, I think Soyuncu is prone to multiple mistakes. He's uh, he, at Leicester. We've seen that. The Swiss side, they've got some really good players. I mean, I'm a big uh, Jadan Shakiri fan. I think he's a top, top player. Works extremely hard. I also like Brie Lembolo, the guy who uh, uh, strikes for them up top. Um, Ricardo Rodriguez, as a left-back, solid. Doesn't perform always for his club, but always shows up when he's playing for, for Switzerland. And I hate to say it, he's not much of a footballer for Arsenal, but Granit Xhaka plays very, very well when he does does show up for yeah, for sure. I think I think they know pushovers, and you mentioned uh, uh, Shakiri and uh, Shaka as well, and, and Rodriguez. He's not quite the same Rodriguez who was who broke onto the scene back in the Brazil 2014 in that uh, World Cup. Yeah. But, but if you move ahead, you talk about Mbolo. More importantly, the man to get the goals is uh, Sefuric, and he's the he's the target man. I remember how he dismantled Belgium a few years back in the Nations League, two 0 yeah. down. Switzerland went on to win that game five two, and Sefuric went on to get a hat trick. So, again, I think they've got the tools to, to trouble uh, somebody in Group A, whether it's Italy. Even a draw is, is a good result because you can qualify even if you get three draws. Ask Portugal. And if you guys want to talk about Wales, I think what Wales has in, uh, in, in abundance is some spirit. Every time I've seen Wales play, they play with a decent amount of spirit. They've got a, a lot of pace going up top. Dan James, Gareth Bale, super fast on either wing, can, uh, can, get, 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 can get up and down. They've got a good young player from Chelsea playing in the middle of the park called Ethan Ampadu. Uh, I think he'll play a few games for them as well. So, yeah, I mean, Wales probably might be the weakest, but this, yeah, I wouldn't discount Switzerland for sure. I'll straight away put it and say that Wales will not qualify from this group. <laughs> the, the, the fairy tale of Euro 2016 is over. Okay, so we'll move on to Group B. Belgium, Russia, Denmark and Finland. Right, for Belgium, the time is now. For many people, all neutrals, the team to beat, the team to win it all. They are ranked number one in the world. Not that that's any yardstick for any tournament success. But they haven't won the Euros. Surely, surely they'll progress from this group. Question is, Renity, will they go all the way this time around? And who else is going through with them? For Belgium, they have been unlucky. They have been playing one of the most beautiful football, if you talk about. And, and you, you can see all the, all the players from Belgium playing in different, different leagues. They all are playing really, really well, except Eden Hazard, who has to be, who has to pick up his form. And I'm, I'm sure, uh, it, the last, the last match he came on a, as a sub. So I think he's the one everyone will be, you know, wanting to play the best football. But uh, the team-wise, 
we, 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 when we talk about De Bruyne, one of the best passer of the world. So, and, and the striker, uh, we, have, we know what, what he, have, he did in Inter Milan. So, so, so yes, Belgium, uh, like I said, they have been unlucky, but uh, I'm sure they will, they will easily come out uh, winners from this group. But the team is, if we talk about the second team, I would say Finland. Because if you talk about the Finland, they, they, they can be a... They, why? Because the way they have qualified. No one have ever thought that Finland would qualify, right? For, for, even for Euro. So I was, I was uh, watching a few, uh, few highlights of how the, the, the courts, they struggled, the way they have struggled through and got into... For them, playing in Euro is a big thing, you know, in all this. You know, we, we talk about uh, Yari Litmanan. Yari Litmanan, who was in Ajax, you know, he is a big, big star over there. And, and, I, and I feel, you know, when, when you come out from qualifying and struggling all the way, I think they can, they will be one good unit. So uh, I would say, I wouldn't say Denmark. Denmark, we know that there are a few good players. Russia, uh, I've seen, I've seen the last match against Poland, I think. Uh, not very convincing. So Belgium, for sure. Then I, I would say Finland. Finland, only because the way they have, they have worked so hard and, and, and go through the, 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 the main round. People may think I'm crazy, but I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, Belgium for sure, yes, Finland for me, yeah. Yeah, I think you look at Belgium, uh, there's quality across uh, the bench, there's quality across the starting lineup. They probably have six, seven players more that they could have fit into this team if they wanted to. I have a sneaky feeling that my man Eden Hazard will pick up his form at, uh, at this tournament and he will come through. I just feel bad. I mean, he should just come back to Chelsea. I don't know why he went to Madrid. He should just come back home and... Uh, to win the Champions League, you know? Yeah, win the Champions League again. Yeah, man. But I don't know why he went. I feel so bad looking at him playing for Madrid. He's so happy. So much, uh, so much quality, man, for, for uh, Belgium. They better do it. I mean, it's... it's or they'll wind up like, you know, England's golden generation that played for, I think, 10 years and 12 years and won absolutely nothing. I mean, this is their golden generation for sure. So, they better show up this, uh, this tournament. I think they will. Uh, too much quality, too much ability. Um, Belgium for sure. I think my second team would be, uh, would be Denmark. Uh, I like uh, a couple of the players. Of course, Christensen. I think Andersen's had a fantastic time of it at Fulham. So, I, he's, he's done very well. Simon Kerr is solid. Christian Eriksen, of course. And the two up front, the legendary Martin Braithwaite. One of the greatest strikers of world football. And Hoiberg. <laughs> yeah, the midfield is excellent. Hoiberg and uh, they've got another guy also. Who else is there in the middle? Delaney from Dortmund. Delaney. Thomas Delaney. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Delaney. Very good. And uh, yeah, Paulson and, and Braithwaite, I think they should have enough. But I mean, I haven't watched Finland play. I'll be absolutely honest. And, and I'll take Renadi's word for it saying that, you know, if they've come through, every tournament has one of these teams. Like every tournament has an Iceland where they've had to struggle and then they just pull through. It's just the adrenaline that sort of pulls them through. Russia, I've seen. I don't like. So, I'm not particularly going to go ahead and I saw a couple of games, but don't like. So, yeah. Not too much to say about Russia. Well, I think Belgium are sure short favourites in any case to progress uh, from this group. The attack will do its job. You mentioned about the concerns for Aaron Hazard. They have the experienced defenders in the form of Vertonghen and Aldebile. Yeah. Andre Thomas Imadan is also back in the side. Kortwa, yeah. of course, is the goalkeeper. So, they've got explosion of riches in attack. Lukaku who has uh, perhaps been reborn in Inter Milan. He's right up there with De Bruyne, Chris Mertens, Carrasco uh, on the wing. Uh, if not Eren Hazard, well then Torgan Hazard, he'd be playing on the wing uh, as well. There's Chadley as well. There's Tielemans in central mid. So this team better go on all the way. 
The only problem I have personally is that they might get to play Italy in the quarterfinals. But uh, moving ahead, I think Denmark has the quality to progress as well, even do some damage to Belgium because they're playing at Copenhagen. Uh, they'll have the home advantage. They've been unbeaten in the qualifiers. They uh, even got the better of England in the Nations League. Whether you take that seriously or not is a separate story. The defence is good with Kasper Schmeichel as a goalkeeper. They've got Larsen, Kaya, who's had a resurgence at club level with uh, Milan. He's become better with age. And then Christensen, that uh, first year knows very well from his days in Chelsea. So they're pretty much settled as far as the defence is concerned. Naturally, Eriksen will be pulling the strings with Hoiberg and Delaney alongside. When Chiro mentioned Bethwit as the, as the legendary striker, of course, he was being sarcastic. Uh, don't have too, too many expectations as far as he's concerned, but I think they're good enough to go ahead. I certainly believe as well that uh, the heroics of uh, Russia uh, in the last World Cup, where they nearly made it even to the semi-finals, I think that's uh, about it. They uh, might just get the better of Finland, even though Kennedy uh, thinks Finland is the team that is going to surprise everybody. And as Chiro mentioned, there is one team who uh, always surprises somebody and, and goes through. And remember, you don't have to come second. You can come third. You yeah. can even draw all your three games and still qualify. So who knows? Maybe it is finished. Okay, so we'll go on to Group C. Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Now, this is not the Netherlands from yesteryears with the likes of Robin, Schneider, Van Persie, and company. They missed out on the last Euros. They even missed out on the last World Cup. They've had a change of coach with the Donald Koeman going to Barcelona and uh, De Boer coming over and, and playing with a back three or a back five. And the results have been pretty average. Mind you, they are playing all their games uh, in Amsterdam as far as the group matches are concerned. Ukraine will be pretty much fancying their chances of progressing as well, as maybe with Austria. And then there is North Macedonia, who did beat Germany in the World Cup qualifiers earlier this year, by the way. If you talk about Holland, Ukraine, Austria and Macedonia, Holland should go through. With all the big names, they should all be with all the players. But there will be a big fight between Ukraine, Austria, and like you said, Macedonia. So when they can beat a Germany and a team like Germany, they can give a good fight to Austria and Ukraine. I'm just, I'm just going to say, guys, uh, keep a lookout for this guy called Daniel Malen. Uh, PSV striker is, has set the world on fire. And I've seen some work, or work. I've seen him play a few games in the Eredivisie. I think he's going to be a star. I think whatever happens to Holland, a lot depends on him. However, they also have, according to Jose Mourinho, the world's worst manager in Frank de Boer. Uh, so I don't really know how that will pan up and pan out. Yeah, I think with the, the Dutch, they have a lot to prove here. They're led by, of course, uh, Wijnaldum. Um, there's a lot to prove for Memphis Depay as well, even perhaps Frankie de Jong. They've had average seasons as far as uh, the club year, club seasons are concerned. Van Dijk, of course, is out. But De Ligt and De Vrij are pretty much uh, up to the task. We were talking about Frank de Boer uh, earlier and uh, how good a bad manager he is. Remember, as I mentioned earlier, he switched to a back three or a back five. So traditionally, Holland or Netherlands are not playing with a 4-3-3. And De Ligt has come up and has uh, come up against this uh, formation. He's gone on record saying that, you know, we should leave this formation and get back to our traditional way, which is a 4-3-3. The question remains uh, on top with Memphis Depay. He's definitely going to start. Who's going to start with him? There's Vorhost, who's a pretty good uh, with, with the aerial balls and can hold up play. You mentioned uh, Malin, the man from PSV, who's, who's got quite a lot of pace. There's also Luke De Jong, who's uh, pretty good in the air. Just cast Inter Milan. He won the uh, Europa League with Sevilla uh, last uh, season. In the midfield, you've got Martin De Roon to uh, do all the dirty work on the cleaner's job so that the likes of Frankie De Jong can impose his creativity on the game. But the Dutch are not in a tough group and they're playing at home. And 
I think they might just grind out results and tinker with the lineup as the competition goes on and they get confidence and momentum going into the knockouts. I actually think that first game between Netherlands and Ukraine, Ukraine will win that game. That, that's, that's what I'm going to say. Ukraine are, are, are managed by the legend uh, Andrei Shevchenko. They, they defeated Portugal in the Euro qualifiers. They've topped their group. They defeated Spain in, in the Nations League. They even drew with France uh, earlier this year in the World Cup qualifiers. They've conceded only four goals in eight games in the qualifiers. Their captain is the experienced uh, Piatra, the goalkeeper. He's been there since the 2006 World Cup. And the man to unlock the opposition defences is uh, Malinovsky. He's done very well for Atalanta this year. They also have the experience of uh, the Brazilian Marlos, who plays for Shakhtar Donetsk. And on top, Shevchenko will be banking on Yamalenko. So they've been disappointing in the last Euros. Yes, they lost uh, or they didn't qualify from Euro 2016 and Euro 2012. But like I said, with the Dutch a little shaky, I think Ukraine can go on and, and trouble the Dutch and maybe even get all three points. You, you are saying Ukraine will beat Holland in their first match. And, and uh, uh, what's the name from West Ham, the striker? Yamalenko. And, and playing Yamalenko, you will beat Holland. And you're, oh, you're saying that. Oh, yeah, there, we, 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 will, we will always remember this. And I will I'll be looking forward. <laughs> Yamalenko might be playing more wide. They have other players ahead. No. But only because, only because the Dutch are pretty much still shaky. The players are not convinced with a back three or a back five. Question is Memphis Depay will he take all his chances? Who's going to play up with him? So it's all about sneaking I, a goal. I, I absolutely don't think Memphis Depay should play a striker. Holland has got good young players. If you see Holland in all the World Cup, they may not reach the the final or semi final, but they will always go through the the group. So uh, it's not easy to say that you know big names, big team, they perform at the right time. So Netherlands, if they actually do finish first in this group. They have an easier path to the semi-finals because they could get to play, and I've done some permutation combinations, they could get to play, say, a Sweden or a Denmark going into the quarterfinals as well. So uh, the luck of the draw is very, very important. And I'll stress on that now because we all know what happened with Portugal in the last Euros. They didn't win any of the three games. They picked up three points, went through as a third-place team, and the luck of the draw favoured them. How? Because the likes of Italy, Spain, England, France were all on one side and only Belgium and Portugal were on the other side. And Portugal didn't even need Belgium because Belgium got knocked out in the semi-finals. So Portugal had the likes of Switzerland, had the likes of Croatia, uh, Wales, and then made it to the final. So they missed all the big guns. Netherlands, if they play their cards right, and if they do win their opening game against Ukraine and come first in the group, they could have an easy run, on paper at least, to make it to the semis. Group D now, let's talk about Group D. England, Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland. You know what I say, whether it's a strong side or a weak side, young side or an old side, experienced or inexperienced, England, for some reason, are always hyped up. And this time, they're even hosting it. Some bookies have them to win the entire thing. Really? Are they really the favourites? You know, uh, if, you, if you go through the papers, if you go through the media, they, are the world, they have got all the world best players in the team. Yeah. But but whatever but whatever we may say, you know, as I, I you know every year, you know every time I keep sporting England, but I, I know that I know that they of course with that quality that they have and and, and all the players playing in the in the best league, they should at least qualify at least till the quarterfinal. Croatia, uh, they, they are not a bad side. Of course, uh, there are few players who who, who are 34, 35, uh, but but still again Scotland. 
uh, I don't think Czech Republic can, can give a fight if, if you see the first few games and you know, losing 4-0 to Italy, even though it's a friendly. You know? Yeah, you know me, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to support England, but my only problem is I don't think Gareth has a clue of what he's really doing or who he's really going to play, where, what. I mean, I watched the last game that they played. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, right? He played nine players who were different and four or five out of them are not even in the squad. I understand that the Chelsea boys and the City boys have come back late. And, but I mean, get them in, right? Even if they've had one day of training, get them in. You've got, you've got a game in less than a week's time. I would love it if England get through. Um, I think the talent is definitely there. What they, you know why they did well last, last time out in the World Cup? Uh, because nobody gave them a hope in hell. And they prayed without any uh, pressure. And it's, it, it, wait, 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 wait a second. One second, sorry to interrupt. But I thought they did well because they had an easy group with Tunisia and Panama. Some people were also telling, expecting them to get out of the World Cup in the group stages. But look, right now, they have all the riches that they, uh, that, that in, in terms of talent. And they've got good, young, technical players. Like, I don't remember the last time I could turn around and say, I'd look at an England team and say, man, that's, that guy is so technically sound. Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, my boy Mason Mount, uh, Reese James, Luke Shaw, Ben Chilwell. I think where England will be found out is I'm not convinced about any one of their centre-backs. I think Tyron Wings is horrendous. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know how he gets into that team. John Stone's was given a real runaround by Timo Werner in the Champions League final. The less I speak about Harry Maguire, the better it is. Um, and you know, honestly, I watch a lot of England English football. In if they were smart, they they could put that boy Declan Rice to play centre half. And if Hendo is fit, play Hendo or Calvin Phillips as the holding midfielder. And they would do. I mean, I'm as passionate about England as you are about Italy. And if 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 it was me, I would not play Raheem Sterling at all. I would just go with Mount Foden, Grealish, Sancho, Kane and pick one guy to hold behind them. Because between the three or four of them, they can actually do a lot of the dirty work. Mason Mount is a supremely underrated player and I hope people stop complaining about what a good player he really is. He does the attacking stuff well. He's, he's nagging, man. He'll track you back. He'll put in that tackle. He'll go back in. So, I mean, expectations are there. I hope they get somewhere. At least the quarterfinals or at least the semis. But this is again a good side. And it's a good young side. So even if they don't... But they will, they will need less pressure. I think the English media and the English press makes too much, too much of it. I didn't really care that this guy picked four... Uh, Southgate picked four uh, right-backs. I mean, Renedy can help me. But actually, those, those four right-backs that he picked... Trippier can play left-back, right-back. Reese James can play centre-back, central defensive midfielder and right-back. Trent... He's unfortunately injured. Trent's actually started out as a midfielder. And he's got probably one of the best passing ranges in the game right now. So Trent could have played midfield, Trent could have played right back. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Rojit. With all the attacking power they have, with you know, all great players, technically very, very sound. But they, there is the, the stopper back. They 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 are they lack in experience. So, you know, when going to this tournament, you need some experience. But if you talk about experience, what, what Italy has got to stop a back, that you need that in England. In, you know, football is not only about attacking, but then you have to defend also. And you, when you have a player like Mason Mount, you know, who, who like, like Chiro said, you know, he is a lovely player. He knows when to hold the ball. He knows when to release the ball. He, he, he can, but there will be a lot more pressure this time. But... 
but but we, what what I'm worried is the lack of lack of experience in the defense line and and people goalkeeper uh, the the coach he, he trusts him a lot but uh, not very convincing for me Pickford uh, not not very convincing I and that that's the scary part two stopper back and, and the goalkeeper line for England there it, it may be a, a big trouble for them but would you would you pick Dean Frank, Henderson would you pick Dean Henderson over Jordan Pickford maybe but but you know uh, Henderson is is a good goalkeeper, but when when some uh, goalkeeper is playing for so many matches continuously, you just don't want to change that. So so I, I would I would go with Pickford, but then I, he is very very unpredictable. Yeah. So with those kind of attacking power, and when you don't have experience at the back, maybe. But uh, qualifying from the group, they they should they should with all the big names they should. So here's my take. Uh, England might move on from the group, of course, and even top it. But then the problem lies in the fact that they have to play the second team from Group F. And that Group F is a group of death, which has France, Germany, or Portugal. They might, might be playing at Wembley even that game because uh, of the fixtures turning around thanks to the pandemic. And if they get past any of those three teams, they could go on and play Spain. So here's my take is that they're not going past the quarterfinal if they come top of the group. However, if they finish second, they could be playing, say, a Poland or, or, or a Sweden. So it might be better for them to come second. The other uh, big timers, of course, in the group is uh, Croatia. Some of the players, of course, have uh, retired from that uh, heroic 2018 uh, campaign in uh, Russia. There's no Mandzukic. There's no Rakitic in the side. There's no uh, Subasic, the goalkeeper, either. Tadic, of course, is still their manager. The likes of Luka Modric, who's the captain, Perisic, Rebic, Kramric, Brozovic, Kovacic, which, which is which, they're all there from the World Cup. So there's a lot of experience in this side. They've won top honours with their club sides over the years, be it Chelsea, Bayern, Inter. Atalanta's Palisic is a new artistic addition to the midfield. You also have Nikola Vlasic, who's won the Player of the Year award in Russia with CSK Moscow. I know it's not a top league, but still he went on to win it. You have Bricalo, the man from uh, Wolfsburg, he can play wide on either flank. He's another emerging talent. He can also play behind striker. And in attack, you can think perhaps it's Kramrich who will lead the line. He's had a good run with the Bundesliga side, uh, Hoffenheim, scoring 26 goals. Rebic, the man from AC Milan, his versatility would be quite useful. You know, Perez said she will bomb down the left flank, even though he's aging as far as the years are concerned. But he's going to bomb down the left flank and whip in those crosses. I remember he scored a smashing goal against Spain in the last Euros in 2016. The defense, of course, is going to be a problem because you still have the likes of Vida and Lovren. But it, it will be still fantastic if they can make a deep run in the competition. I think they'll be targeting at least the quarters because luck of the draw can favor them if they come second. It's a tough call between Scotland and Czech Republic. I would imagine the Czechs are a better side on paper, but we're not playing on paper. We're playing in, in, in Glasgow, home of Scotland. So the Scots will have some home advantage even though we're not going to have full capacity of the stadium. But I'd say the Czechs might just uh, edge it out thanks to a Patrick Schick goal. Chiro, what's the name of the player from uh, from Chelsea? Uh, uh, the, the young guy? Billy Gilmore. Uh, uh, Gilmore. So from Scotland, I, 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 I would, you know, I'm looking forward to watch Billy Gilmore, Billy Gilmore plays, you know. He is, he is a pro, he has got a bright future and the, that guy, people talk about Kante. Yes, Kante has been performing really, really well. I like Billy Gilmore and with that age and to play a, such a matured game, I think he is a player to watch from Scotland. The Scottish Iniesta. Let's now move on to Group E with Spain, Poland, Sweden and Slovakia. 
to begin with, for Spain, it's about more so who isn't there than who is there. Love him or hate him, you can't ignore him, that's Sergio Ramos. And much like a few years back, it took a while to get used to the fact that a player like Carlos Puyol, who was the central pillar of the Spanish defense in the 2000s, was no longer there. It'll take time to register this as well, that there is no Sergio Ramos for Spain. Remember, Pique has retired as well. So it's quite possible that Pau Torres and Laporte, who has just become eligible to play for Spain, will marshal the defense. By the way, they also have a young goalkeeper in uh, Unai Simon. De Gea is not the number one these days. Also, for the first time, there are no players from Real Madrid in the Spanish squad for an international competition, be it the Euros or the World Cup. After the disaster of Russia 2018, Luis Enrique has got the Spanish Armada flying high, though. 19 games, winning 13 of them and losing just once. Renedi, they lost that one game to Ukraine, by the way. <laughs> if I, I watched the game against Portugal. Spain dominated the game. They could have scored three or four easily. You know, Ronaldo, Ronaldo didn't have a great game. Uh, but, uh, but the way uh, the Spain has played, you know, we're no big names. Uh, but more, I think the only worrying factor for, for Spain is, is Morata. The, the chances that he, he got and chances he's getting, he's not scoring at all. So that, that may be a big factor. But the, the, the team-wise, the way they are playing, it is so good to watch. They, they gel so well. Like you said, you know, they, haven't, they haven't lost many matches. They have been winning. They have been doing really well. So, yeah, and it shows in the, in the last match they have, I, I watched, you know, they, they have played such a great game. So, Spain for sure. And, and Poland, uh, Sweden is not having uh, Sweden. Yes, they always go, go, go through the qualified uh, from the group, but I doubt this, uh, this time it will, they can. But Poland is, is the one I will be. Uh, Spain and Poland for me. I've, I've watched uh, the Spanish team play. I actually quite like this Spanish team. It's very unlike... Uh... It's not full of superstars, but they've got some great uh, team chemistry going. I think that's the work ethic is something that Luis Enrique sort of demands, and that's uh, that's being showed up. There are a couple of really good players, uh, young players who I like. Uh, Pedri from Barcelona, he's been picked in the team. Very very nice, nifty. Has got a good eye for a pass. Got a good link up play. Uh, Danny Olmo, the Leipzig kid, uh, quick, fast, good left foot. He's also he's also uh, somebody I should look out one should look out for. I think defensively they're okay. Uh, they've got Cesar Aspilicueta back, which I think will help if they want to play at, with a three at the back. His uh, experience will help. I think Imeric Laporte Laporte is a very good uh, transfer, so to speak, from France. So he's a solid, solid defender. Um, I don't think they'll miss Ramos. I think Ramos was injured for most part of the season, and he was fairly off when Madrid played against Chelsea. I mean. It wasn't the Sergio Ramos that we knew or we loved. So, I think it's, it's okay. I think at some point, you do have to move on. But yeah, I agree with Renity. I think Alvaro Morata is not the answer. Maybe the, op- the answer is uh, Gerardo Moreno. And maybe he plays me a little bit more often. And another little dark horse to just sort of change the game if you want somebody running at you in the 88th minute, if you're chasing a goal, there's a chap called Adama Traore. I mean, that man and his pace can, can open up uh, defences. He's not got, I think he just lacks the little bit of finesse, but he can definitely be a nuisance against tiring legs. What I have seen with, with Spanish team this time is that, you know, not only they are not only playing beautiful football, you know, they, the, as soon as they, uh, they, they, they finish the attack, the way they recover is something, or if, if someone takes the ball and the, the way they fight to get the ball back, this is something you don't, you don't see from, because, of course, they play, 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 they play, you know, small pass, one, two, one, two, one, two. But 
when they lose the ball, the way they come back to get the ball. You know, those are the things I think the coaches have have worked really hard, and it shows in the match. You know, the way they are they are defending the the from transition from attack defense, or from or from defense to attack. It, it's it's been lovely. As far as the other two sides are concerned, now Sweden, unfortunately, might not have the alien powers of one Zlatan Ibrahimovic. He's out uh, injured, but there's a lot of buzz around uh, Alexander Isak. They're a hard team to beat. Just cast Italy, of course, and uh, they were terrific in qualifying. They lost just once to Spain. Slovakia are in their second consecutive uh, Euros. Are probably the least fancy, but they will have, of course, the experience of one uh, Marek Hamsik. Remember him quite clearly from his uh, Napoli days. Poland, of course, Robert Lewandowski. Can can they sneak in through and become second? I think Renati mentioned they will come second, right? Yeah, I feel that the team they have got, you know, then all these players are, are all playing in top league of Europe and they're all performing well. So I believe, yeah, Sweden no chance, but Poland yes, as a as a second. If Poland actually get past and and say come second, they could get to play the second team from the previous group, which could be a Croatia, and Poland then might just fancy the chances. So you could have a Poland probably not make it to the quarterfinals, and that's the beauty. You just never know how the how the draw plays out. I think Sweden will uh, come third. They'll come third only because of a deflected goal. That's what they're good for. They don't have God, yeah. What to do? <laughs> All right then. It's time for Group F, the group uh, of death, the one that everyone wants to see. Why? Because it has France, world champions, Portugal, defending champions, Germany, who won so many international tournaments, and Hungary. Right, France have a wealth of options. For me, they're definitely the favourites. Benzema is back as well. Portugal are a much better side than they were five years back when they went on to win it. Germany are probably the unknown for once. They're not the favourites to win the Euros. They're far from being a powerhouse uh, at this moment of time. Although the likes of uh, Thomas Müller and Hummels are back, and uh, then you've got Hungary as well. Even though they don't have their best player in uh, Dominic Sosa, he's been out. Because of injury, but they are playing their games at Budapest. Two of them, at least, and they have guaranteed uh, UEFA that they are going to be having a full house. So, could a full house be a determining factor for Hungary? Right now, remember, if you come third, there's no guarantee, but you still might go through. Nobody would want that to happen. All the same, that you want to come third. Renati Singh, which of these four teams, or which of the three top dogs, is going to come third? Yeah. So if I have to talk about the first France, for me they have been they, by far they have been the best. They have been playing the best football out of all these teams. So the way they the way they are playing, and like I said, you know the way they have played against uh, Wales, uh, they didn't give any chance to to move, uh, and it was it was so easy. It was you know walk in the park, and and those players up front, those five players, the movement, they don't they they just they they move so well, you know, with and without the ball. And there is no fixed position for anyone. For any team, it will be so difficult to to mark them because those five attacking players up front, they just keep moving, they just keep changing. So we so we don't know who is playing where. So and and in the defense, if you talk about that, they are complete solid defense. So so France is a team is a team I really like, and for them, and we all know how France uh, won the World Cup by playing a counter attacking game. But they can just switch on and play a. Uh, yeah, and, and play attacking game also. They have got such great players from Griezmann, Pogba, and, and Karim Benzema. The form that he is in, 
uh, even though he scored a penalty, he, he missed a penalty in the, in the last match against Wales. But the way he has been playing, and then if you talk about, if you need a, a sub, the best sub, super sub, you have Jeru, one of the best goal scorer, or, 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 the, or, the, or the one who can assist. So, uh, a number nine who can, who can really assist. So, I, I feel that France will surely go through and they, they should with, with all the qualities they have, the way they have been playing, like Italy, the, they, they should also a big contender. And I think before Italy, I, I would say, I'm sorry, but before Italy, I think France is the, is the one I feel that will win the cup. Germany, uh, the last match, they have won 7-1 seven, seven, against Latvia or something, 7-0 seven, or 7-1. Seven, one. Seven, one. But, but, bef- but before that, uh, not, not very, uh, not great. But, but still, I feel France and Portugal. And Germany will be third, I think. I have Germany as the second place team and I'm going to, <laughs> team, and I'm going to say Timo, Timo Werner is going to be the top scorer of this World Cup. And Kai Havertz will be the top assist. And uh, I think... Look, France is definitely going to be number one. They have, amongst other things, they have the best footballer in the world right now, who goes by the name of Enrolo Kante. Definitely the best footballer in the world. Uh, but, you know, actually, no, screw it. I'm going to stick to my prediction. I think Germany will come second. Because the Germans generally show up for a big tournament. It's just in their mentality. They Something, I think, switches off in their heads and they just turn up. And I think, look, a lot of what Germany will will do will not depend so much on, in my opinion, will not depend so much on on Tony Cruz, but on uh, Joshua Kimmich. Kimmich. I think he, he holds the key now to this new German team. And I also think a lot depends on how where Thomas Müller plays. I don't think Werner will start. Um, I think Müller will definitely start up top as a false nine or a number nine. Uh, I do like Serge Gnabry a lot. I think uh, that that kid has incredible potential, great pace. But yeah, again, depending on who they've got fit, I think they've got a couple of people out. They've got Goretzka out and the last news was that Klosterman's also out. So they'll have to figure out if they want to do a three or a four, how they want to play at the back. But a three at the back actually does does suit them. They can have Rudiger, Hummels. So I'm saying, uh, look at the quality on the German midfield. They've got Kimmich, Kroos, Gundogan, who's arguably had his best possible season as three people who can play across the midfield. They've got a young kid called Jamal Musayla uh, from Bayern, who went from Chelsea to Bayern at 15. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal player. The pieces are all there. Leroy Sané. These guys are all proper, proper players. I mean, yes, they've, some of them have had a little bit of a rough season here and there, but it just takes, I think, 10 minutes or 5 minutes for all of them to sort of come together and click. Okay, so what about defending champions Portugal? Their backline is uh, pretty much similar to what it was five years back. Rui Patricio in goal. Pepe, yes, Pepe is still there. Joseph Font, who's just won the league on title with Lille. Rafael Guerrero at, uh, as uh, left back. Uh, Cancelo will probably play uh, on the right. Very attacking uh, right back is uh, Cancelo. And a lot of tools have been added in as far as the offense is concerned, which wasn't the case five years back. On that occasion, they had the likes of Nani and Charisma. Now, along with Ronaldo, of course, there's Chao Felix, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Diego Jota. So the attacking tools and the attacking threat is there for Portugal. The question is, their coach, Paulo Sosa, what sort of a style will he try to impose? Will it be more restrictive or will it be a little more flamboyant? My guess is that he will be a little cautious to begin with. And as the game goes on, he brings on his uh, substitutes to try and turn the game uh, in his favor. But for me, they are a very dangerous side indeed. 
Okay, we've talked a lot about the teams. We'll give our final thoughts as to who we think can win or should win. But before that, I want to get Grenady in for something that I personally don't like at all. That has ruined the game for me as an experience. Three letters. Grenady, V-A-R. <laughs> that alongside the handball rule, the offside rule, so on and so forth. For me personally, it just doesn't go down well. It ruins the experience. You might get some correct decisions here or there, but even then you might get some wrong decisions because it's, it's how a referee judges something. And when it comes to offside, we've seen that suddenly, while watching football, you, you're seeing geometry lines. If a player has a, has a toe in front or, 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 or a toenail in front, or if his, or if his lace of his shoe is in front, if his uh, a hair strands in front of a player, it's offside. What is going on? Such, such good goals are chopped off and we get, we get free goals and free penalties for handballs which shouldn't be given. Whether it's ball to hand, hand to ball, intentional, non-intentional, the player is way outside uh, or way, way far away from, from the goal, just inside the D. The ball is not going anywhere close to the goal. Handball, referee goes and has a look at the monitor, gives it, gives it as a penalty and you get free penalties. I mean, goals, you, should, you, you know, of course, that goals have to be earned, not given for free. For me, VAR doesn't work and takes away from the experience from, from watching the game. For me too, VAR is spoiling the beautiful game of football. Players, after scoring such a lovely goal, you know, what's, what's beautiful about football is that after you score, that few seconds, that few seconds, it's madness. And, and then you, you, you have killed those, those celebrations also. Players, after scoring such a good goal, you know, you are, you are so happy, you, you know, and you just can't. So it's not only about scoring, like you said, you know, there are a lot of penalty decisions, there are a lot of upside decisions, you know, and, and you, you cannot just play game normally. I think that it should just let it go with the flow and we just can't wait for the, it's not like, like cricket or any other game. Uh, I think we were, for me, it's a big no-no and they, they are spo spoiling a great game of football. And I feel that without that, it will be the football will be much better, I feel. But, but we don't decide that. But there are these people who are deciding that, but not for me, no. Well, we hope that there's less of one as far as Euros are concerned. But now we come down to our final thoughts. Which team is going to win it all? But not necessarily which team are the favourites, but which team is going to win? Which team would everybody want to see win? And which team will be the biggest surprise, like a Wales or an Iceland? Uh, I would say, of course, it's a very, very difficult. No one can say that this team is going to win. But yeah, for France... Uh, France, I feel that they should win with the team they have. And the big surprise will be uh, Finland. Surprise package for me will be Scotland. I think they'll play well. Uh, the team that I would like to win it is, of course, England. The team that I think will win it is Spain. Oh, Chiro is going for Spain. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, I'm going to say Italy, right? I mean, are you expecting anything different? Italy's going to go on and win the Euros. Uh, but if not, I think I'll be pleased if Belgium go on in a minute uh, with this golden generation and they've been knocking on the door since the World Cup 2014. They made it to the quarters, they lost to Argentina thanks to that uh, Higuain snapshot. They lost to, uh, surprisingly, to Wales in the last Euros and they lost by just one goal to France in the last World Cup. So, Belgium, uh, for me, if Italy don't go on in a minute, maybe even a rank outside of Lake Poland for all you know. But the team for me, the Dark Horse, that is going to go far and cause an upset or two is Turkey. Right, with that, it is a wrap. We've pretty much covered as much as we can in the time we have. Thank you, everybody, and let's all have a good Euros. <laughs>